Welcome to Physiotherapy Chats, a Singapore Physiotherapy Association podcast. So, uh, welcome everyone uh, to our Physio Chats. So, I'm Angel Physiotherapist. Uh, I'm represent SPA to host today's um, podcast session. So, um, I'm working in uh, NTUC Health and uh, more uh, seeing more geriatric and neuro patients. So, today I'm very happy to have our Prof. Dio over here to share his knowledge and recent research finding regarding resistance training and our brain health. So, let's welcome Dr. Dio. So Dr. Dio, um, very welcome. And Dr. Dio is our neuroscientist scientist and also a professor from NIE. So I would like you to introduce yourself. Let us know about you more. All right. Thank you very much, Angel. Uh, and thank you very much to the Singapore Physiotherapy Association for having me for this podcast. Um, it's definitely my honor uh, to be speaking to all of you, um, or well, I think it's just the both of us, but um, <laughs> I guess you get, you get the point. Um, so my name is um, Tio Weiping. Um, I am a neuroscientist, but my, my bachelor training is in sports science. Um, and I've always been really keen on the effects of resistance training, um, just in general, right? So I started off um, doing a lot of resistance training, doing a lot of strength training. Um, and I had the opportunity in my PhD to look at um, uh, how exercise can impact um, certain clinical populations. Um, and I was lucky enough to actually be under the mentorship of uh, a few neurologists back in Western Australia. So I graduated from the University of Western Australia. Um, that's where I got my PhD. Um, and uh, I guess over the, over the years, I've sort of developed this uh, area of interest in, or research interest whereby I was looking at mechanisms that would um, underpin exercise um, uh, with, with regards to the brain. And specifically, I wanted to know, are there any sort of differences um, that are uh, between aerobic exercise and resistance exercise, considering that both these uh, forms of exercises are, are the most prevalent, right? Mm -hmm. um, and of course, different things like, you know, how different exercise intensities, uh, different duration, and all these other factors would, would play a part in shaping or changing the way uh, our brain behaves. So that's kind of my research background in a nutshell. Mm, okay, thank you for sharing. I think uh, I know recently you have uh, um, publicity of the um, system review, right? You want to share about this? I mean, like, what is the background and like, what is the topic as well? Yeah. So uh, as, as you have mentioned before, I think um, there are a lot of um, studies highlighting the beneficial effects of exercise on brain function. Um, and I, I think all of us will, will agree unanimously that um, we should be performing exercise daily um, uh, in order to prevent, you know, a, a lot of um, uh, situations whereby or unwanted situations um, to, from happening to our bodies, right, physical bodies. Um, but I think uh, apart from that as well, I think there's, uh, there's a growing amount of literature to sort of suggests that uh, exercise, um, whether it's aerobic or resistance or different forms of exercise can have beneficial effects on brain function as well. Okay. Um, and I think one of the take home messages that I would like to sort of bring home, particularly to this, uh, in this podcast or this chat is that um, we really should not be looking at the physical body and the brain as two separate entities, right? I mean, I guess in, in, in medicine or in a, a light health, we have different specialties that divide all of us. 
Uh, and it's the same in research as well. You know, we are we have a neuroscientist, we have a, a, a you know a, a musculoskeletal uh, research specialist, and all these sort of things. But I mean, essentially, um, the body, uh, the brain relies on the body to do things, and you know, the body relies on the brain to move, right? So, and to perform different actions. So yeah. we really shouldn't be separating those two uh, systems yeah. um, from one from the, from one from another. So I mean the 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 the, the publication that um, that um, that I've published um, essentially is to sort of shed light, show or shed a bit more light, or and create a bit more awareness about the the, the use of resistance training, particularly um, in geriatric populations. Um, I think a lot of times we always often assume that um, older adults uh, mm -hmm. should not be performing uh, uh, resistance exercise, or they're more resistant to resist. They're more resistant to yeah. resistance exercise, um, but that really is, isn't. Uh, but that, that really shouldn't be the case um, yeah. because we know for a fact that as we grow older, um, we encounter muscle loss, uh, uh, loss in uh, bone mass as well. Um, and we would use resistance training to try to attenuate those loss anyways. Um, but we also know that by moving uh, our, our musculoskeletal system or enhancing that, uh, that system uh, would also have some upstream effects on brain function as well. Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, myself and my team, we put together this review just to create a bit more awareness of you know not there, there's not just aerobic exercise that improves brain function but there are also other forms of exercise that would be just as just as good um to to improve brain health yeah thank you so much i understand because um, i'm seeing jerry population by like yeah. certain time there is a resistance for them perform mm. resistant training i can totally yeah. understand that and i think you bring out a very good point that we cannot separate like it um, like the body and the cognition and also the brain path. I think that is, is really like one person and whole body. So we need to look into it. So um, I know like um, being physically active is um, essential for us to maintain of our personal, physical, cognitive, psychological well-being. So um, like we like to share what is the relationship between physical exercise and the brain health um, for our like, adult or for our senior. Yep. Yeah, so I think there are several mechanisms um, that would uh, underpin this uh, this relationship. Um, so uh, it, typically, when we look at the exercise science literature, um, we would sort of separate uh, the acute effects or so short term effects. So maybe if you do like one or two bouts of exercise, and what happens to uh, brain function and cognition, um, versus the more longer term chronic effects. Um, so, meaning to say that if you have performed, if you are performing exercise for months and years, what sort of, um, I guess, uh, what sort of mechanistic change happen um, with that prolonged period of exercise, right? So, I think, by and large, in general, what we find is that the acute effects, um, and this is typically for any adults or anybody that's doing um, exercise or resistance training in general, is that we get this increase in cerebral blood flow, which is obviously uh, important. Because obviously when we exercise, we increase blood pressure. So that obviously sends more blood up to the brain. Um, and of course, increase in body temperature as well, which has a sort of a cascading effect of you know, releasing different type of hormones at a very, uh, in a very short period of time. So 
in that sense, we do actually get benefits or immediate benefits just by even a single bout of exercise. Um, of course, there are sort of conflicting literature um, as to, you know, if you do like a high intensity versus a low intensity. Um, but I think in general, what you will find is that by just performing one or two bouts of exercise at a moderate, maybe even to a high intensity, um, after a while, what you do actually see is an improvement in cognitive outcomes, um, even potentially some of the more uh, psychological mood outcomes as well. Um, for longer term effects, what we do, uh, what we do uh, see is that uh, we do observe um, chronic changes in, uh, in certain factors that are in, in the brain. So for example, uh, brain-derived neurotropic factors, which uh, help with neurogenesis. Um, and there are other factors that I've uh, stated in the, in, in the article as well. So things like um, uh, uh, insulin, like growth factor one, uh, BDNF is obviously the other one. Um, so all these different um, 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 proteins are sort of upregulated as we perform exercise, especially on a chronic basis as well, um, which would obviously uh, um, help to underpin some of the changes that we observe. I guess the other aspect that maybe it's not so much discussed um, within the exercise literature is that exercise is a very social thing, right? So as we exercise, um, we are always, uh, we, are, we would often exercise in pairs or in groups, right? So that social interaction plays a huge role, in fact, um, which I think a lot of people sort of downplay a lot of times, right? Um, if, if, for example, if you exercise with a good friend or if you exercise with a partner, it is likely that you are probably going to be a bit more motivated um, and therefore you are going to be working at a higher capacity. Um, and of course, we also know that social interaction is important um, when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to improving your mood outcomes, your brain functioning outcomes as well. Right. Okay. So again, I think uh, it really drives home the point that especially in a geriatric population, um, uh, when it, uh, this social interaction uh, and the exercise or the combination of these both different factors uh, will be essential for them to to reap those benefits um, uh, at a cognitive level and even at the mechanistic brain level. I see. Yeah, I think uh, you bring out a, a few points in like acute effect and long-term effect, but this all is just a physical exercise, right? Like yes. it's not, yeah, okay. So I think the social um, things is very important, the peer support and peers pressure. I mean, they will have some pressure and they will do the exercise, physical exercise to keep them active and keep them to get them sustain as well. I think the sustainability uh, without the program or exercise program, how they sustain uh, to continue have a physical exercise. I think that also is important to, to understand as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, you brought up those physical uh, exercise benefits um, and we know there is aerobic research. Uh, is, I mean, a lot of research regarding the aerobic exercise is um, helping um, improving the cognitive health and like for example uh, some factors that you bring in the BNF, IGF-1 and BGF. So how about the uh, resistant training? So is it any different mechanism compared to the aerobic exercise? Yep. Yeah. Um, yes, so it does seem that both types of exercises um, function uh, different um, from a mechanistic point of view. I mean, overall, 
Um, there are studies that also sort of show that with resistance exercise, you know, you do have this upregulation of the different neurotropic factors such as BDNF, IGF-1, the EGF. Uh, um, but uh, what we do, what we think is that um, if you if you look at resistance exercise and if you look at the different types of resistance exercise, um, you are there is actually a high level or high uh, a large component of of coordination or body coordination. Let's say if you do a, a squat, right? Yeah. Um, it's a very it's a very simple motion for for adults, young adults like us, for you and me. I'm not very young anymore, but um, I still consider that. Still, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, for 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 an older adult, um, a, a squat, just a simple uh, or or a sit to stand right um, requires a lot of balance it requires a lot of coordination both in the left and right limb um, so and it requires a lot of postural control right so when you look at resistance exercise it, it, you're really targeting you're really enacting quite a large uh, amount of attentional demand um, to to balance your body to make sure that you produce the movement that is very smooth and you're not you know having a very bad form when you're doing this resistance exercise um, in fact, um, there's, there is, uh, it is a well-known fact that um, when you first start resistance exercise, the improvements that you see are not because that, uh, that, your, that your muscles are uh, getting bigger, I mean, mm -hmm. but it's because you are coordinating your limbs a lot better. Ah. Right? So there's a, there's a large neural component um, that underpins resistance training that we don't really see with aerobic exercise because aerobic exercise generally you're doing something that's very continuous right so it can like be jogging yeah walking, those you already know and usually you are doing right exactly okay. exactly and um, at least with resistance training you are actually um, increasing the the uh, how do you say uh, the effort by having a load on you as well. So for example, if you're doing a squat, you do have a, if you have a bar on your back that you have to balance, right? So you have yeah. to sort of coordinate your left and right side of your body at once. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have to sort of think about your form. You have to think about all these different things. So there's a lot of um, attention that is being allocated just to perform that one mm -hmm. single repetition. Um, and, uh, and it's that, you know, that continuous having to think about where your body is, how your body is moving, um, that we think is is driving some of these changes, especially at a at a very acute stage of of this exercise. I mean, of course, you will get better once you've learned that particular skill, and I guess this is where you can then introduce uh, more uh, more novel type of activities. Um, you might want to do like a single leg. Exactly. Okay. So does it mean because um at resistant training there is different form? For example, we can use machine like just sitting knee extension, then you adjust a lot. Mm. And like uh, other form will be use our body weight, for example, um sit to stand, but you I mean you increase the load um eventually. So um I mean, which is more recommended um, for the cognitive health? Like, for example, you say sit to stand, you need to move your different part, then you need not familiar with the movement. Does it challenging them more? Then will help the cognitive functional part yeah. better. I, I think it. I think it's very much dependent on your uh, how you progressively overload the system, right? So I think as, yeah. uh, if you want to see any sort of improvement, you have to challenge the the, the system. 
Uh, but we cannot, you know, just just all of a sudden push them so drastically uh, at a very fast pace, right? You have to progressively increase the, the difficulty level. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any right or wrong scenario whereby, uh, you know, which is, which is better. I think both uh, using machines definitely have their own benefits. Um, using your free weight or using body weights have, it, have their own benefits as well. Um, so maybe it could be the fact that we, uh, uh, for an older person, maybe if you want to build sort of strength, um, we might want to use machines so that, you know, they can get used to the weights, get used to the pressure, um, and then progressively, you know, transition them from, from more functional. machine to more functional. Yeah. Um, and then potentially even have, uh, uh, maybe start to in include instability to their movement as well. So you know, using a wobble board or foam, uh, foam uh, platform so that the, the, the base of support becomes uh, uneven or unstable. Or using TRX also. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Correct. So there's no real right or wrong answer to this. Exactly. I think as long as... That's how you plan and how you progress. Correct. And like for the safety first, you want to build up certain things, you can use mechanism and machine first. And after that, you can you should like continue to use other like functional tasks or functional yeah. movement. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. So, any any other um mechanism like compared to aerobic um mm. like like what you share regarding this any any add on thoughts? Um, I I do think that uh in in regards to why these changes occur between aerobic and resistance training, I think that's something that we need to do a bit more uh, investigation. Um, I think there there's still quite a lot of things that we don't really understand very well um, with regards to, I guess, some of the effects of exercise on, especially on brain function. Um, but what I would suggest is that um, to sort of maximize the effects of exercise is to actually have a combination of both. Like, I mean, you kind of want to have both aerobic, you want to improve or maintain your aerobic uh, fitness as well as your strength, neuromuscular fitness as well. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's very cliche to say that, you know, we have to do uh, uh, all these different exercises, but I mean, it, it is it is true. Um, I, I guess the, the important thing is that you want to um, try to, I guess one, one important aspect is that try to make it uh, novel uh, and try to make it fun for you, right? So it's, it's you know, you don't want to be exercising and, and really dreading to go to exercise or yeah. will feel like going for exercise, right? I mean, the, the, the point of the, the point of exercising is so that you have that the element of novelty and elephant uh, element of of uh, um, enjoyment and excitement you know so therefore the the whole social aspect of exercise therefore then sort of comes in comes into play yeah because um, when you're doing exercise already very tough mm. very tired yeah so make it fun and work them hard without them knowing as well correct correct yeah. exactly Okay, so how uh, resistance training parameters influence our cognitive function? Mm. Yeah, so I think this is something that we have, uh, that we wanted to create a bit more awareness uh, with, the, with the paper. At the moment, um, there are not many um, studies that directly compare the different parameters of exercise or resistance training specifically um, and how that impacts on cognitive functioning. I think the most, I guess, the strongest evidence uh, is 
is uh, uh, predominant, predominantly lying or uh, um, pointing towards the effects of intensity on brain uh, on brain function, right? So um, typically, what we want is that we want to be performing at least um, some sort of at a moderate intensity. Um, whether you use heart rate or use some sort of rating scale to to measure the intensity, um, I think as long as they are sort of uh, in the moderate to sort of moderate to high range, um, I, I think that that is that has the the most evidence so far to show that you know, it does it does benefit cognitive health. Um, the different types duration of exercise, I think that the the evidence is not so well um, not so well uh, established yet. Um, so, uh, I mean, it, when you look at resistance exercise, uh, um, is, is there any point in doing like a two-hour gym session versus a one-hour gym session? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Lah. Um, but I, I guess from a, from a logistics point of view, two hours is, is quite a long session. Yeah, right? yeah correct. Not, correct. Not yeah, exactly. So, so would, would doing it in a shorter amount of time, but maybe increasing the intensity be a lot better? Right, so so again, there there is a lot of uh, considerations that you have to think about in a in a realistic sense. I mean, in research, we can control for this and that, but in reality, maybe not everybody has got two hours to spare in the gym. Yes. and I think people will tend to like short and sweet. I'm right. so busy, and I right. need I need to like struggle for so long. I think in the future, if like there is like okay, very fast one, then you can seen the effectiveness of the strengthening exercise, resistant exercise, then I think well, a lot of people will be more willing to do exercise, I think. Yeah. And I think it sort of sort of highlights the, uh, I think nowadays, you know, a lot of people uh, talk about HIIT training or high intensity yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, training, right? Um, I mean, there, there is definitely um, evidence to suggest that uh, that, is, uh, that is quite beneficial. Um, but like I said, I, I think, you know, because the evidence is not, uh, or at least in terms of brain health, is not really that well established. And it's, I think only the last few, I would say last 10 years, mm -hmm. that we start to see more papers being published in, in, in this field. Um, but I do suspect that um, if you can put in a short, sharp session that is uh, at a moderate to high intensity um, anywhere from let's say uh, 20 minutes to half an hour just go in there do the exercises and come out um, I, I mean personally what I, I, I do believe is that you know you might be able to have very similar benefits as to do as you doing a one hour one and a half hour session uh, but then sort of in between you know you have very long breaks and then you know you, you sort of walk around and then talking yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. understand understand yes yes so I think uh, it's, it's a very good time like having a discussion with you and having a lecture, like evening lecture with you, like one-on-one. -on -one. I've been so lucky to have this opportunity. So any, any last, uh, any thought you want to share um, mm. regarding like resistant training? Mm. Um, I, I, I guess for me, um, I'm always an advocate for strength training or resistance training in any sort of uh, population, right? Um, you know, a lot of people always tell me that, oh, um, you know, having good cardiorespiratory health will, will you know, have, uh, have all these benefits. Yep, yes, I agree. I definitely, I, I, I will not deny that, you know, having good cardiorespiratory health is important. But having a good base strength or good base uh, uh, neuromuscular functioning 
um, allows you to go about your daily activities. So things like getting out of bed, getting off a chair, um, you know, just doing your housework or, or even walking as well. Um, you require, you know, you, you require a certain amount of, of, of strength to do it. Um, especially, especially for those that work with geriatric populations as well. Um, we, we, we often see a high incidence of falls, hips, fractures, and all these kind of things, right? Um, so in order for, for uh, older, older adults, or at least to recover from a fall, so meaning to say that if, uh, if a person were to almost fall, but then they recover, they need a lot of strength and power for that. For that Recovering uh, from the near fall, right? Exactly, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so if, uh, if someone is lacking in strength and power, um, then the, the incidence of, of falls would, or from near falls to a full fall would be a lot higher. Um, so essentially what I'm, uh, what I'm sort of advocating for is that um, in, in populations such as neurological populations, such as, I guess, uh, things like Parkinson's disease, mm. Alzheimer's disease or dementia, um, that those populations, uh, all the more they should be strength training um, a lot more. Um, and of course, in, in the general older adult population, even though a person might seemingly be healthy, um, you know, having, you know, one or two strength training se sessions in a week uh, will definitely benefit their neuromuscular health. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, not only, um, I mean, for the dairy population, so they um, need to overcome the near fall, then like what you're saying, you need to have a fast twist muscle, muscle power, then to react to prevent uh, I think um, like that you brought out the importance of the resistant training, not only make them stronger and also the cognitive health as well. I think this is the new take-home message for me. So usually when I do exercise with my um, Ama, right? So I'm thinking I'm stronger. I mean, make them stronger, uh, strengthen them um, to have more muscle power, muscle strength. But I didn't. I mean, at this point, like. Like me, oh, oh yeah, they will help with their cognitive and their brain health as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think for I think maybe just to add one more point as well, which yeah. uh, which I almost forgot, uh, would be that um, in in resistance training, I think it provides you with an avenue to uh, to get them to I guess uh, engage with uh, uh, in sort of a dual task environment, right? So. For example, you can get them to do um, certain exercises, but get them to also maybe do something else like counting calculate. backwards or calculate or, or I, I've, I've actually seen one where they were uh, um, holding a tray with, with like uh, cups of water on the tray. Okay. So they have to balance and then they have to do all these sort of counting. Step up and down the stairs. Yeah, yes, correct. correct. So, so it's very functional. These are, these are very functional type of activities that mm -hmm. you can employ and you can, you can do it almost anywhere, right? Like yeah, correct. you already have steps there. You mm -hmm. can use, of course, the safety aspect you have to put uh, look after a little bit, but I think by and large, uh, um, these are very functional type of movements that you would employ in everyday living anyways. I think this will make them easier to exercise and exercise in their home environment. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, last question. So um, what resistant training you are doing for yourself? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, for me, I'm uh, uh, as as, uh, as as I've mentioned earlier on, like uh, um, I, I I sort of tend to like to do the 
the short and sharp type of uh, exercises. Mm -hmm. Go to the gym. I mean, uh, we are for very fortunate here that within the department, we have a weights training room. Okay. Um, so I guess for me, it is, uh, it is very simple. I think I, I tend to focus a lot on uh, large movements. So things like your squats, uh, your deadlifts, um, very old school powerlifting type of. Uh, <laughs> oh, powerlifting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so make sure you can carry someone, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know about that. Like, I don't know about carrying <laughs> someone, but uh, I, I think I, I sort of use it to sort of break up my, yeah. my hitting time a lot. Like, like you know, obviously, uh, I spend a lot of time in front of a computer, mm -hmm. uh, or sometimes I spend a lot of time in, in class with students as well. So there's a lot of uh, physical inactivity. So for me, it's, it's a good way to sort of get my heart rate up. Um, and you know, and we've, we've got our resources here, so it's uh, it's, yeah. it's for me to do. La. I think it's a good, very good model and example that um, when we ask people to do exercise, then we ourselves need to be a role model. Yes, um, yeah, I think yes, you, you give us a very good example like ourselves doing exercise, then we can be the I mean, ask them to do as well as our senior to do. And I think another thing is when ourselves doing exercise, we know the struggle yes. and the difficulty and yeah. all the soreness of the muscle afterwards. So <laughs> I am enjoying that, but sometimes I like really not feeling so good. So we can understand how, how difficult our jerry population will going through. And if they are very willing to continue, I think we need to like encourage them um, more, yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm definitely very hopeful to see uh, more uh, older adults engaging with resistance type of activities. I think there's a common misconception that resistance exercise can only be done in the gym. Um, I mean, you can definitely do resistance exercise outdoors, uh, at home, yeah. uh, very, with very simple implements. In fact, you know, it, it's it, um, even by just uh, um, like you say, walking upstairs is a form of resistance exercise, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you're doing... Uh, you require a lot of muscle strength in that. Uh, so I, I'm, I, I hope that there will be more, um, I guess, programs or opportunities for all the adults to be resistance trained or be resistance training. Um, and I'm also hoping that, you know, there will be, uh, of course, champions for this as well. I mean, I do see nowadays, especially with uh, the sports SG gyms, um, yeah. that allocated time for all the adults to go in, which is, I think, is a positive thing. Um, I think 60 years old and above is free. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah so I, I definitely would encourage uh, more older adults to go and engage with uh, strength training or resistance training. So um, for my point as a therapist, right, so um, I think as a therapist, we need to be creative and help them be to keep themselves active. And I think we, we cannot be the one to limit them. Mm. Sometimes uh, we'll think, oh, already not mm. uh, too difficult. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. I think uh, we should not be their limitation. We, we cannot be their barriers. I have like 80 years old, um, Ama uh, can do plank with me. Yeah. Or even can squat up and down on the bosu ball. Yeah. So I think um, they always prove that um, they are able to do. Sometimes it's our, our own mindset to stop. Yeah, right. I think we should like change and like really um, be safe, of course. Um, but I think we need to not, and to be the one, not um, give them, encourage them to do exercise and not be the one to limit them. I think that yeah. is yeah. very important Yeah, as a therapist. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think especially within Asia, um, we have a certain mindset about I think yeah. our, our, our mindset of aging is, is very different from let's say compared to Australia 
or the UK or, or in the yeah. US, right? So I think uh, um, if we can start to change some of this mindset for them to be a bit more uh, adventurous and venture into uh, to do all these different exercises, um, and, and I think it will happen. Uh, yes, I believe, I believe. It's okay, just yeah. you know, maybe we have to maybe do like you said you know you know uh, we can't be barriers of we can't be barriers ourselves we have to encourage them to to do more. Yeah, yes. Thank you for sharing. I think we are have a same direction. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. Thank you so much, and and thank you so much for your Friday night time, uh, having sharing with us. I think hopefully we have more collaboration with SP together with your team. Yeah, yeah, of course. yeah. So I think if anyone have any question, I think um you can comment down, then we can like bring it up to Profteo or SBA will try to respond as well. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I guess if there are if there's anyone out there who is uh, uh um keen on a research project or do any sort of research in, in this area, um more than happy for you to contact us or contact me if you want. Um, one of my uh, uh, grad students uh, is actually uh, a member of the SPA as well, uh, Ma Shimin. Um, so she is doing uh, she's doing some research work with me as well. So more than happy, uh, more than happy for anyone to be collaborating. Okay, so I think you can um, share our, I mean, the contact. Then anyone inquire, we can like link you, link them up with you. Sure. Yep, yep. Thank you so much for today's sharing. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. You have been listening to Physio Chats, a podcast series brought to you by the Singapore Physiotherapy Association. Follow us on Spotify and our YouTube channel for future content. We'll see you then.